Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Greetings, audio travellers. Welcome to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. Joining us on a veritable journey through nostalgia today are my pod brothers, Imran Mirza. Howdy. And Richard Roth. Howdy. In today's topic, we are re-examining the things in our past that we either ignored, that passed us by completely, or we maybe just didn't like or understand at the time. But all these things we have since embraced and are slightly shocked or bemused by our lack of love for them originally. That is one mouthful of a topic, isn't it? It's quite (laughs) difficult to kind of put that into a a succinct intro. But yes, (laughs) things that we didn't like maybe in the past or when we were younger that we love or enjoy now. Love might be appreciate now. Yeah, appreciate. Love might be like a fine wine. (laughs) Exactly. That's something I didn't like as a child that I like now. Fine wine. <laughs> uh, I nearly I nearly started talking about food because like olives, coffee. Uh, I, I had tiramisu for the first time uh, yesterday and I realized... Oh, wow. I know. Because I'd never really liked coffee. And then I realized that in the last sort of five, six years, I've I've kind of grown to appreciate coffee wow that's a late arrival to coffee Mm. it is it is (laughs) that's a really yeah that's a late arrival man it's probably a a little bit longer than that but yeah i can't i I can't figure out how you've functioned in in life in any way particularly work like how have you how have you got through a day what do you what you're just that big into tea yeah i mean tea tea was something that i I had as a yeah growing up, and I never really like. It's one of those things you you do more as a habit. Like I've never drunk a cup of tea and gone, "Oh my god, that was just amazing." <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, who I don't has? Think anyone has? Yeah. No, I don't think it's I mean, exciting drink. <laughs> there seems to be like four billion different varieties of tea, but none of them. I mean. They all seem to get more, slightly more disgusting. I mean, like things like green tea and I don't know. I, uh, there's all these Earl Grey, just even worse than what I guess they call UK breakfast tea over here, which at least, you know, adding milk to it, which they don't do in a lot of countries. I think it's it's quite a, a British thing to add milk to tea. But, but yeah, I always had coffee out of, um, you know, a jar um dry roasted and that is awful and then only when i think i started working in london can um, i just can i just interrupt so you were putting water with it weren't you <laughs> <laughs> you were just pouring the jar into your mouth no i mean i was i was snorting it that's how it's <laughs> that's, that's how it's meant to be uh ingested isn't it right okay i can see where you might have been going wrong all this time but <laughs> but yeah so apart from that uh yeah i started i think i started getting coffee for other people uh like my boss like going on coffee runs and and after a while i was like well 
I don't really, you, you can't, hot chocolate is not something you can drink that often. <laughs> so I was like, and it's, it's weird. Like, I don't really want to drink hot chocolate during the day. So yeah, I started having the occasional coffee and I was like, actually, you know, if this, this, this done properly, I can, I can appreciate it. But anyway, we are not talking about coffee, <laughs> olives, wine, cocaine, or anything like that. So <laughs> I'm going to start with Imran. What is, well, what's your opening gambit? What's the one thing that you just, I don't know, it passed you by or you caught a little bit of it and didn't like it um, in the past? Is it weird that I want to continue talking about coffee? Oh. I, I, had like, <laughs> I had like 17 other points to raise about coffee drinkers, but I, I will move on. I will, <laughs> I will move on. I mean, uh, we, we can segue <laughs> slightly because who used to, who who has ever drunk Ovaltine or Horlicks? No. I've had Ovaltine. What about Bovril or... I have Bovril on toast. Oh, Really? Yeah, uh, I have it in place of Marmite. That. Instead of Marmite, I have like butter, cream cheese, and bovril. Yeah, my mum used to do that. I don't think it was a... Con- I think she was surprised when I told her it was supposed to be drank. That was the opposite. When my mum told me it was supposed to be drunk, I was like, ugh. Oh. <laughs> this was <must> say it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, that you're supposed to drink it. You're just weird and just have yeah. it on toast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, having it on toast, how it's so salty. I mean, Marmite is pretty salty, but I can't do Marmite. Oh. Like it's weird. I like Bovril on toast, but I can't do Marmite on toast. It's it's like a different kind of acquired taste. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Have either of you had Vegemite? No. I think yeah. I was in. I lived in Oz for about a year, and so naturally, when I got down there, I had to have a Vegemite sandwich because of the song. Because of Men Down land, Under. Land Down Under. It's like he gave me a Vegemite sandwich or made me a Vegemite sandwich. So I was like, oh, I have to have it while I'm here. It's like I had, to watch, I had to watch all the Mad Max films when I was there because I was like, I'm here. I have to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> And every episode of Neighbours probably. Well. <laughs> what um, is a veggie? What is that? Con- I just comprising? put Vegemite on two slices of toast and put them together. <laughs> so that's all I did. So I hope that's a Vegemite sandwich. Well, well, Vegemite is just the Australian equivalent um, of Marmite. As but far it, as I'm aware, yeah. It does taste a fair bit different, but you can see it's the same food group. Um, but I got yeah. really into raisin toast for some reason when I was there. I think because the oh. local supermarket had it, and I just picked it up one day, and I just had raisin toast every day for like two months. Wow. You're so travelled, Rich. You yeah, live in the States knew. as well, right? I never knew you lived That's in Australia. Yeah, back in 2009. What, yeah, what so brought you over to Australia, if I may ask? Uh, I have c- cousins who live over there, and like every Englishman who has family from Australia, every time they come over here, they're like, wow, England sucks. <laughs> it's like, wow, we have great weather. We have like barbecues every day, like you know, it, it, it rains chicken legs where we are. And it's just like, everything is great in Australia. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I was like, all right, well, I was, because I went there on a working holiday visa, which I think you can only get to, you're about 30. And I, I went when I was about 25, I think. So um, I was like, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go now when I can get the visa. 
So um, I just went for like a year just to kind of see what it was like. Um, I didn't really have any plans on staying, but at the same time when I was there, I was like, I, I don't really think I fit the vibe for Oz. So <laughs> I love barbecues. I love sitting at the beach, but I'm not, but that's about like the extent of my outdoorsy pursuits. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like I'm not into to NR, like, cause Sydney's NRL. So I was like, I'm not really big. Like I liked, it was interesting watching because I found it easier to get into rugby league coming from American, watching American football. But I was like, I'm not really into that. And it's like a couple of other things. I was like, um, I like, I get it. I totally get why everybody loves Australia, especially English people. I totally get it. I would not like if someone comes up and says I'm wrong, it's like, yep, I'm totally wrong. (laughs) But it just wasn't like, I feel more at home here in England. So I was like, I'm going to go back to England because everybody was like, why are you going back? And I was like, I just feel more at home over there. And like, even when I came back, like I think the bank manager was like, why did you leave Australia? Like we're all trying to go over there. And I was like, you've got my money, pal. Like, do you want me to take it to the bank next door? Uh, that is strange. I mean, you know, massive prawns, mate, but uh, <laughs> most of the place is on fire. Uh, most of the places swamps spiders will kill you but uh, massive prawns mate no it it, is like the barbecues there like they are as good or at least the barbecues my family and friends are doing were as good as the legends have it and like i said i totally get why everybody loves it but it's just i I feel more at home over here were you in a men at work um tribute band (laughs) (laughs) I, i should have looked for it because there was enough poms over there that we probably could have formed one. Because it felt like every other, especially in Sydney, it was like every other person was English. <laughs> it's just like so wow. many go out there. Well, this anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway yeah. this is this is this really going a off on coffee. Yeah. Another, and... A good preamble, though. It's what makes a good podcast, I think. The listeners don't. The listeners are just like <laughs> the listeners are like, why did I tune into in? this shit? <laughs> I could be watching uh, neighbors. Well, not anymore. <laughs> no, it's finished. No. Home, Home and away. away, is that still on? It is, yeah. Right. Still on. So, Imran, coming back to you. All right, let's... let's go. Well, okay, I, I like a strong coffee. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, music is, is, is my answer. Um, it kind of, I, I uh, you know, I, I, you know, thoroughly enjoy contemporary music, but... Um, uh, that makes me sound so old, but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, <laughs> buying stuff now. But I, I still feverishly look back at, say, uh, the 80s and probably more so the 90s as still periods of discovery for me um, when it comes to like 80s soul, uh, SOS band, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Flight Time, uh, The Time uh, as well. Uh, it's such a glorious kind of era of music that meant absolutely nothing to me uh, at that time, even though I, I think my cousins were very much my older cousins who were probably probably like a generation uh older than me um uh they uh yeah they consumed all that stuff but it was it just meant absolutely nothing uh and in the 90s is kind of the 90s is always a real special kind of uh sort of period of music for me sort of mid to late 90s i always cite that as when i just totally fell in love with music but again i missed so much and i still you know look through stuff at that period and try to pick up things that i uh, that I just completely missed. And um, it's anyone that knows anything about me knows that I'm a, a diehard and devoted Prince fan. And just the notion that, like, even now I'll rifle through record stores looking for old 
single releases uh, from prints to find obscure B-size uh, 12-inch mixes and things that you just can't readily find anymore, you know, or stuff like that. You just can't. It's not on iTunes. It's not on Amazon. You, you can't buy them. Um, so I still, it's still like a, as I said, that period of exploration uh, for me to look back at it. So yeah, for me, it's. It, I, I, I think the 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 first thing that came to mind was was just the music. I wish I had been able to be more uh, conscious of, cognizant of, and sort of been able to appreciate it more. Um, the idea that Prince wouldn't have necessarily been a very difficult act to have seen live um, back then, you know, and uh, yeah, it became very, very difficult. And obviously he's no longer here. So to kind of be lost in that whole Purple Rain period and Sign of the Times and stuff like that, I just think that would have just been a really wonderful thing to kind of see unfolding as it did. So, yeah, that's my immediate answer. I think the first thing that came to mind was music. Okay, so what... Name some artists or bands that you would say, oh, my God, how did I miss this, you know, and why you recommend them now? Um, well, it's not necessarily like, how did I miss it? Uh, it's just that I wasn't listening to, like, again, for, for the 80s, soul music. I wasn't, it completely passed me by. I didn't, you know, I wasn't looking for it as such. I was obviously very um, conscious of Prince, obviously, at that time. But I think When Doves Cry was the only song I really remember of that period and, and, and absolutely loving it. Um, but that was... You know that was it. So I mean, yeah, the idea of 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 Prince during that period um, uh, is just is is just brilliant. And even I know his '90s stuff isn't um, well necessarily well received, but there are some amazing uh, music there. But again, uh, to answer your question, I mean, you know, um, '90s hip hop. I got into it quite late, um, it, and you know, so much of uh, of of these amazing albums had like Illmatic I wasn't listening to hip-hop uh at that point uh, the first Biggie album came out I wasn't listening to hip-hop at that point so it was quite late uh 90s and I'm still finding my you know I'm still going back um there's a group called uh, Diggable Planets I uh, love Diggable Planets I love Diggable Planets but I only discovered them like probably about two years ago uh so it's like I said it's still awesome to kind of go back and and just try and yeah try and kind of catch up there's there's so much to to kind of catch up and so much stuff that just totally fell under the radar as well you know that you had to sort of be i guess be there at that time and um but yeah so, slightly different question hmm. do you think now it, it's easier like do you think you're you're finely tuned in to the the, the musical kind of styles bands and artists and kind of the discovery of those artists you know nowadays it's it's easier for you to do that like you're you're on the pulse um yeah and you're you, yeah, you that's... can kind of pick up what you what you need so that's that's a great question because for for people i'm a fan of now and it, again i i still it, it, music is is very um exploratory exploratory for lack of a better term there's a better word there but uh and i i love to sort of I had a conversation with someone yesterday who who talked about that idea of being in a record store for a couple of hours and rifling through records and having a local record store and having the owner know you and present, hey, you know, you, you haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I've set some records aside for you. That's a brilliant experience to have. But, you know, 
to, to, to the way that, that I would do that in this day and age is I would sit at my computer and I'd look at Discogs. I'd go to Bandcamp, things that they recommend. You know, if you bought this, you might like this. And I, I enjoy sitting at my computer with the with the very specific notion of I'm looking for new music today. You know, in this, I've got an hour to look for some new stuff that I, I, I haven't got. And I can do that. And that's great. And I love doing that. But when you're going backwards, you can't readily find all that stuff you know so it's kind of fun to look for it in a different way so yes you go to 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 say secondhand music stores and things like that and rifle through their singles collection but all of those hard to find uh b-sides and 12 inch mixes and remixes there's i always say always say this but there's nowhere to buy them like even just as mp3s they don't put them anywhere and it's really bizarre that no website just sort of says you know it takes all these obscure songs that you can't buy anymore and puts them up so i'll find singles on amazon or ebay or other record stores online and i'll buy the single an overpriced cd single for a mix that you can't get anywhere else you know i suppose it's the little bit of a collector in me as well but you're looking when you look for the periods of music you're looking for them in different ways which is kind of fun as well okay that's a good answer i mean i think the music thing um you know it kind of permeates quite a few different angles on it because when i think back to music that i was always kind of like when i started listening to it or started getting into it and it kind of felt like the the peak of that era or that band or that artist was you know had gone i i basically i was on the boat but you know pretty much everyone else had got off and i think you know, think of Nirvana, you know, I got into um, kind of grunge music and, you know, all, all these all these different kind of, you know, the Seattle bands. And I, and I really, you know, I'm always angry at myself that I, I could have, you know, I could have gone to see Nirvana. No, Nirvana did come over to the UK, wow. but I was probably at that point too, probably too young to, to go to London no, I didn't live in London. You know, go to London to see a band like that, or to see a band like um, Alice in Chains, and you know, there's, there's numerous artists where I think, oh, wouldn't it just have been amazing to see Genesis or Sting and the Police? Yeah, well, you yeah. know, when they're at their uh, in their prime, and even 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 hip hop, you know, it would have been amazing to see you know Naughty by Nature or Onyx or or Cypress Hill, and I know some of those bands. You know, they're they're still around, and occasionally they 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 do tour. But um, yeah, it 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 always frustrates me because kind of late eighties and nineties, you know, just similar to yourself, I look back on that period with such you know reverence and nostalgia, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, ah, oh. and there are so many bands that I know I'll never see because various uh, members of those bands has, has passed away yeah. um, or they're, they're just not a band anymore. Um, mm. I mean, people probably, a slightly more modern version of that is, is people probably think that about Oasis or Blur. It's like, well, okay. Or the Smiths. It's like all, all the individual band members are still around, but they just, you know, they don't seem to want to, 
players are yeah. banned anymore. Yeah. So yeah, really good answer. Um, Actually, can I ask you guys a quick question just to, like on that? Because I, yeah. like, for you guys, I, like, I did not grow up. I always read about this in like um, interviews and stuff like that where, where people, DJs or musicians, artists say, oh, I grew up with music in my household and you know, there were always uh, Aretha Franklin. I knew every record backwards or James Brown and stuff like that. Did you guys grow up in a musical household? Because I didn't. And I, and I always bemoan that a little bit. But that's why I got into music so um, so late. And it never formed any kind of part of my, my childhood, I'd say. Roth, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, my parents, when I was growing up, had a lot of uh, parties, like I mean, not kind of wild hanging from the chandelier parties, really. but like <laughs> orgies. <laughs> they just had like often because we had a swimming pool because it was Florida, so like we had this like huge patio out the back and everything. So we'd often have people around, and it's like they would have the music on. And for some reason, it was always I always seem to remember it, like there was one or two CDs that were always in because they had a back in the day like you kids might not remember which sounds really condescending but i don't mean it in a condescending way but back in the day we used to have these big stereos with multi-disc cd changes and yes. we had one that held about six <laughs> cds and i seem to remember rod stewart greatest hits was always in there and uh, rod stewart and i think bet midler experienced the divine they were always wow. in there and so like my mom, we they still have all the CDs at um, my mum's house. They still have all these old CDs. And one of the things that, like, it was almost like routine to the point that a few years, like several years ago, I kind of said to my parents, I was like, that opening track to me says Bre- Sunday breakfast is being cooked because every Sunday, like, my dad <laughs> would cook Sunday breakfast and put on um, Frank Sinatra duets too. And it opens with Lady is a Tramp with Frank Sinatra and Luther Vandross. And the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That says breakfast is being cooked. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, my parents weren't like super big like music people. Like, oh, I really feel this song. This means a lot to me. And they were never like that. But music was always kind of like, yeah, if they were relaxing, then music was on in the background. And it's like sometimes like, if my dad, because they did a lot of DIY around the house, like if dad was working, dad loves Kenny Rogers and Johnny Cash. And it's like sometimes like one time my mom and I went out and we came back and like Kenny Rogers was just blaring out full volume out of the stereo. He's like, oh, you're back. <laughs> kind of one of those kind of situations. <laughs> He's just like putting tiles up in the bath, in the in the kitchen or something. He's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Amazing. My mom had two cassettes uh, that she had in the car uh one was like uh was Lionel Richie uh back to front uh, which is you know thumbs up and the other one was Chris the Berg and it was best of Ooh. Chris the Berg and I knew those <laughs> songs more intimately than I wish I did and uh, I can still hear don't pay the ferryman on certain occasions <laughs> in my head but that was literally uh, that was my childhood in music what about yours Dan did you kind of have uh like I don't know nothing on the background or did you have very specific memories of music at that point Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird because I think I do remember my mum was really passionate about uh, Motown music. Amazing. Um, and obviously that meant Jackson 5, which meant Michael Jackson. So I think there was kind of a healthy appreciation, you know, Stevie Wonder and you know, everything in that sphere. So I definitely, probably my earliest memories of music was listening to that 
Um, and I think I, I don't know. I don't know if it was me that liked Queen, but it felt like I think we 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 both, uh, you know, had a healthy. Um, yeah, we we both enjoyed Queen. Um, my yeah, it was kind of strange because my my stepdad liked Dire Straits, and he liked quite sort of I don't know. He he liked certain kind of guitar music and and I was never I was certainly I mean I I love Dire Straits now uh, I love Mark Knopfler but no I, I didn't back then I certainly didn't I can't <laughs> I can't lie and pretend you know I didn't like uh, Cream or Eric Clapton either you know these were these were artists that I yeah but it was weird because my my real dad he um. He listened to Tangerine Dream, and not many people know who Tangerine Dream are, but they're like a 70s, I think they started in the 70s and have carried on ever since, um, even though I think quite a few of their original members uh, have long since passed. But yeah, they're like a sort of synth um, prog band, who, who like Electronica, who kind of... They they did various different soundtracks in the in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so he was really, yeah, it was it was really strange because he was passionate about music that had no, you know, had no guitar, had no singer. Um, whereas my stepdad quite, you know, he liked guitars. Uh, yeah, my mum liked um, kind of funk, soul, disco, music. Motown. So yeah, it was a strange mix of things. I don't ever. It, it's not like I can ever remember. Um, I think yeah, my my dad a little bit and my stepdad a little bit, but yeah, I don't ever remember like going into a room and there'd be music playing. You know, it, maybe the radio, but nothing. No one specifically was listening to music until I became you know old enough to have a cassette player and then a CD player, then the CD changer and the boom box and, and then all the other kind of uh, separate sound system mm. and all that kind of jazz. So I was very dominant when it came to kind of musical choices. I mean, my sister, I, I think, you know, uh, uh, Rich, you've got a sister, haven't you? Me? No, I'm an only child. Oh yeah, you are an only child. So mm. hang on, am I the only one with a sister? Yeah, yeah, I am. Damn it! I was trying to think. <laughs> I was trying to think who else has a sister that I know. Well, Dennis does, but yeah, he's not. He's not on this podcast. But yeah, um, I kind of probably had the same experience that most brothers do. Is you have a sister who's old. If you have an older sister, then they're gonna discover various different boy bands. So <laughs> whether I like it or not, um, you know, the boy band that I got way 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 too much musical exposure to was new kids on the block Ooh. <laughs> yeah did you have nice. the right stuff <laughs> <laughs> no but i did hang tough man come on <laughs> uh yeah amazing um so mr roth um what is your nostalgic um doesn't have to be nostalgic could be a week ago but what's your choice <laughs> mine is american sitcoms from the 90s Ooh, which great uh, it's kind of like that's the blanket 
genre i mean i did there were specific ones like like a good 80s child i love michael j fox and i'll watch anything with michael j fox so i did watch spin city when it originally aired that's one of the few american 90s sitcoms i watched when it was like originally airing almost from the beginning i think i watched that show all the way until he left and was replaced by charlie sheen Mm. um but like Mm. friends I didn't get into until much, much like like when it was already phenomenon and they were all getting like a million dollars an episode. I didn't, I didn't start watching that when it first. I remember when it first came out because I remember I used to. This is embarrassing. I used to watch a lot of um, Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood and all that kind of stuff. And so I knew, I know, I remember when it came out, and I just it was like, it doesn't look to me because I was still at the time watching a lot of eighties English sitcoms. I mean, there was a few nineties English sitcoms I was watching too, just from, cause every time we'd come over, we'd get taped. So I was like the nineties ones I was watching were like men behaving badly and uh, Harry Enfield and things like that. So like, I love smashy and nicey and, and, and sketches like that. But then like I'd watch that and then I'd try to watch like American stuff like, you know, Dharma and Greg and kind of these really uh, Maggie Winters and these kind of really generic American sitcoms. And I was like, wow, this is bad. Like, this isn't... I'm not realizing, of course, that England had its own crap sitcoms from the 80s, like the golden era that I've forgotten about completely and from the 90s that I was never even exposed to. But I mean, I seem to remember, though, even like kind of generic sitcoms over here. Like there was one I remember that no one remembers called Nelson's Column, which was a sitcom set in a newspaper or something like that. But I just see it, it might be crap, but I seem to remember really <laughs> liking it in the mid 90s. But for, as far as American ones are concerned, it's also part of it was the way it was advertised to me. Like this is something that any Americans listening will probably remember. From, I, I, I hope to God they don't do it like this anymore. But the advertising for shows is a bit like the best way I can say it, it's like an orchestra falling down the stairs. It's just like the, there's a laugh. The laugh track is going the whole commercial and they'll just show you clips and they'll show you the same commercial like all day. So it's like, say you're watching the news and then you're watching entertainment tonight. And then it's just like, Oh, okay. I've seen like everyone knows this is a bit later on, but everyone knows the, um, the joke from family guy where it's like, making fun of Italian people going like and it's like everyone's like oh that's so funny and it's like I still remember that was I think that was the Super Bowl that day or the day before or the day after and it's like that commercial aired so many times I was like okay that joke was funny like the first three times but now it's just annoying and it's like to this day I'm like I'm not laughing at that just because I remember how many times that commercial was on and I was one of those kids that watched TV for like eight nine hours a day so whenever you see like wow people watch a lot of tv like i was the guy jacking the numbers up so uh, i'd see all these commercials all day and they're like ha 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 like look at this clip like taken out of context isn't it funny ha 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 we're gonna put like bad music in the background and like come up with fake lyrics for it like some third rate animaniacs knockoff ha 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 isn't this funny and i was like none of this looks funny this all looks crap this looks like it's targeted like this is the the audio video visual equivalent of Walmart. Like this looks crap. And then like I'd look over and I'm like, how the hell can anyone sit here and tell me that this is funnier than like series two of Only Fools and Horses? Like this isn't in the same league. They're not even playing the same fucking game. It's like it's not fair to even compare the two. So I didn't get into stuff like big, like all time great shows like Seinfeld until really this decade. And I finally went, I found like YouTube clips just started coming up and I was watching because I, I really like um, Larry David show. And I, Larry David show is always one of those ones where it's like, especially if I'm on a plane, because they always, for some reason, Larry David shows are always on the plane. So I'll just watch them the whole flight. But uh, Larry David show is really clever. And then I started seeing clips from Seinfeld. And I'm like, this is 
basically the same kind of hu- similar humor to Larry David show. It's just obviously they can't swear and there's certain stuff they say on Larry, they do on Larry David they couldn't do on Seinfeld. But it was very like a similar kind of humor. And I was like, oh, oh, I get it now. This is hilarious. Like this is not just hilarious. It was very clever. Like this is really, really well written, clever. Like the acting is snappy. Like the fact that they're using so few sets. Like um, I remember there was an episode of... Um, remember having badly over here where the whole episode took place where they're all just sitting on the couch the whole episode and I remember thinking how clever that was and how genius it was and I was like wow Seinfeld I mean I don't think Seinfeld did that specifically but I was like Seinfeld's like very cleverly written and I was like why didn't I get into this back then and I was like oh it's because I feel like it was presented to me as something it wasn't it was presented to me like all these other kind of crap shows and I was like it would have been like it just I don't know I just feel like bad now that I kind of was like I'm not watching that I'm gonna go watch dad's army again for the upteenth time <laughs> and it was like <laughs> it's like you can't compete with dad's army and it's like I was like, no, I should have realized, okay, don't compare them to an English sitcom from the 70s and 80s, which is a different time, a different place, a, a different audience, arguably. I should have looked at them for it's a whole prejudice thing. It's like, look, judge it for what it what it's trying to be now. Don't judge it against what something else was trying to be. And it's like, as soon as I did that, I was like, oh, this is this is brilliant. And it's like friends as well. Like when I got into friends after a while, I was like, this is, I get it now. Like this isn't supposed to be like high breath. This isn't supposed to be like Hancock's half hour. This is supposed to be like a can of Coca-Cola. It just goes down easy and everybody loves it. And it's like, there's so many bits that everybody remembers. And it's like now when like it, these clips just keep popping up on Instagram, it's just, it is now. It's like, oh, this is great. I, I, yeah, I love this show. This is so funny. And it's like, I love all the, the, the way the characters interact. And like, everyone knows the one where Brad Pitt shows up. And I remember <laughs> by that point, I was watching the show. So I do remember when that one aired. But yeah, like, I just feel like I kind of, like I said before, a lot of them probably are genuinely that bad. But I do feel like I kind of threw them all in the same boat together. Like, they're all crap except for Spin City, because they got Michael J. Fox. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I do kind of feel like, wow, maybe maybe there's a few more hidden gems that I missed from American sitcoms in the 90s. But yeah. You watched Fraser, I imagine. Uh, my parents watched Cheers. And Both classics. So I did, like, when they watched Cheers, I kind of would occasionally watch it, and I liked it. But because they weren't fans of the Fraser Crane character, they didn't move over. Also, they didn't like that woman with the northern accent. Like that's, my, that's one thing that my yeah. mum hates is like that kind of like whim. That's why she never watched Austin Powers because she doesn't like the kind of oh, tea her, I'm English. Oh, ha ha ha. That's the joke. <laughs> right. I think because probably because like it is. It's one of those things where it's like if you really want to classify, it, I guess it's it's one of the, it is prejudice, but we just don't care because whatever like who cares but i think maybe my mum was like no I, I i find that annoying i don't like that so we my parents never watched fraser so i didn't really watch it that much but i mean i know it has a huge following and i bet if i sat down and watched it now i'd probably really enjoy it but yeah that that's probably one of the hidden gem well, not hidden gems because everybody freaking watched it but one <laughs> of the shows that were for me a gem that like i basically was like no i don't think i'm gonna watch that i'm gonna i think you'd love it yeah go watch a low low again I've I've always had a massive uh, affection. U.S. comedy has always had significantly more impact on me than than British comedy. But yeah, hang on, th- Imran, is it mm. not is it not true that you are one of the biggest um, 
patrons of the UK branch of the Golden Girls fan club. Oh, I loved the Golden Girls. Oh, now that was one I did watch all the time. That was great. So obviously, Dan, you got it confused. It wasn't me. It was Rich. Clearly, wow. Yeah, no, I, I did. I don't know why. I think like there was just one summer where like that was on like every morning. Like what you know when like it's summer holidays and you wake up and you just watch whatever crap was on telly because there was no yeah. internet back then, and you just like every morning it was on at like ten or ten thirty and I was like, I hope no one ever finds out, but this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I loved it a- when Leslie Nielsen came into it. Quite, I think it was towards the end of of the the run of seasons, but yeah, because I'm a huge absolute mark for you know naked gun and police squad and anything that leslie nielsen has been in and then when he became um god i've forgotten the name of it's not blanche uh b uh, whoever b arthur was playing i've completely forgotten the name of the characters yeah i know who you're talking about yeah but yeah he blanche was, is the yeah. only name i remember as well yeah blanche rose. Devereaux one of them because... was Ro- no rose was played by what's her name the immortal actress. betty white betty white and yeah, oh God, how could I forget all that name? Yeah, because I can remember the name of the actress, but not the character. Because <laughs> um, Estelle Getty was was was, it was the grandmother. Was, yeah, she was she was probably about ten years younger than everyone else, but was playing the grandmother. Um, so that was a bit weird. Yeah, but be a be Arthur. Anyway, Dorothy. Dorothy, that's it. Yeah. So Leslie Nielsen came in as Dorothy's boyfriend, and and that yeah, I was made up when that happened i was, like, I was oh, also is... a little bit intimidated by blanche as well i think because she was so like man hungry i was always like man i hope i don't ever encounter someone i mean obviously i was like eight at the time i was like man i hope i don't run into someone like her because i'm not gonna know what to do i've just got this image of you waking up one morning going oh oh blanche oh hi honey <laughs> Obviously not when you were eight years old, but um, it's just, yeah, that, that's that's going to start a weird rumor. But yeah. I think Friends. It's not really popular to say it anymore, but I, I do think I think Friends is brilliant, and I, I I did watch it when it when it came out, and it's funny because like Lisa, every now and then my wife Lisa will every now and then sort of for, from nothing to watch, she'll start watching old Friends episodes, and um, there are times where it, I if I haven't watched it in a really long time, I could find it very difficult to kind of get back into that style of comedy. Like you walk it, you know, someone walk in the room and it's like, hi. And then it's, ha, ah, Hey, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Ah, I'm sad. Ah, and it's like, Oh Jesus Christ. What the, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what happening? I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah it takes a while to kind of almost get back into it and then sort of, to get to kind of click for the characters again but yeah sometimes i do get that from from 90s kind of sitcoms that at the time i you know i was totally in on it but yeah sometimes i can take a bit of time to get back into it but you know you mentioned uh spin city that was another show i loved that do you remember when they had uh, christopher lloyd as a guest for an episode i do yeah do you remember the, the of exchange course, it's a huge that back to, i don't remember the exchange but i was a huge back to the future fan still am that that's like my like you know how everyone has like their own like that's their film trilogy like yes back to the future is mine so yeah 
that was like, there was a fantastic moment where he where, you know uh, mike as played by michael j fox is really nervous about his mentor coming in and then it's christopher lloyd and u.s sitcom everyone cheers wildly um <laughs> as well they should um and then he, uh, Marty, uh, Marty, <laughs> uh, Mike then says to him, wow, sir, you know, seeing you, it's like going back in time. And then Christopher Lloyd says, no, Mike, men like us should always look to the future. <laughs> and that is a class. As a Whoever wrote that is a genius. But yeah, brilliant. Have you, um, have you seen trailers for Rick and Morty where they have got, um, Christopher Lloyd to actually play Rick, and I've I forget the name. I've never seen a single episode of Rick and Morty. No, as you mentioned, Rick and Morty, I, th- I thought that would probably be a show I would raise when we just do this discussion again in ten years. Because yeah. everyone seems to talk about that. I've, I've seen not a second of it. But it's funny you should mention um, sick like cartoon sitcoms because, like Simpsons, I was into the Simpsons from the moment like I could because um, I. Over here, it was on Sky. It didn't hit, reach syndication until about 94, I think. Whereas in America, it was on like Fox syndication, like not syndication, but like Fox affiliates. So you could just watch it over the air for free. And like Simpsons is a 90s American sitcom, but it's not like any of the others. And I was into it from the get-go. And like even Family Guy, I remember that debuted Super Bowl 99 because one of my neighbors, he knew someone working on the show and he had a t-shirt with Stewie's face on it. And he's like, you all have to stick around after the Super Bowl to watch the show, my friend worked on but they there was a bit in one of the original i still say the original family guy because you know what i mean i think it was like the first three or four series that were on dvd that basically got the show renewed um where they made fun of dharma and greg for imran exactly kind of what you're saying it's like oh dharma you're so wacky ha 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 for like 10 minutes and it's like it's like why don't you stand up here on the desk ha 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 and i was like yeah like i almost wanted to like shake the tv's hand i would just i'm like yes Thank you for saying it. Thank you. I'm not crazy. It's not just me. You guys see it too. These shows suck. Like, thank you for pointing this out. Well, I I think, I don't know, at the time, I didn't really get the whole thing about Friends. Because, I mean, even, even today, what, what, what I find amazing is that apparently Friends is one of those shows that you could be any, anywhere in the world at any time and you can still find a channel that's showing friends. Wow. It's just uh, and and then it's going the same way with Big Bang Theory oh, and um God, I hope not. <laughs> oh. But yeah, do you think I mean, I don't know, do you think we'd look back on something like uh, Big Bang Theory and say, oh god, how did we miss this the first time even though I I I've, I feel like I have watched every single episode of it. I think but. like what Imran said, it's probably, I'll agree with you on it's probably going to be for us Rick and Morty just because it's so hyped. And so it's like this many people, I don't want to say like this many, what was it saying? It's like this many Romans can't be wrong or this many so-and-sos can't be wrong. But, yeah, but, but, but you're both Back to the Future fans. And, you know, the reason I mentioned that they had Christopher Lloyd playing Rick is because the whole thing is based on if, you know, if, if, I guess back to if if Rick and um oh God not Rick, if uh, Doc and Marty had carried on, you know that they literally lived in their own world and their own sitcom. It, it those characters are based on you know Rick and Morty are based on those characters. So when I said they did a a live action version where they had 
uh, Christopher Lloyd playing um, Rick in a, in a live action trailer for the that was promoting the series. Um, yeah, that's why I was saying it because it's it's so tied into Back to the Future, and even Christopher Lloyd had embraced that, um, which is quite well. I, I thought it was quite clever, but oh, I do yeah. get it's it's, it's yeah. just so overhyped for me. And like, there's all the, like the memes about Rick and Morty fans on the internet now as well, where I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> okay, this, is this something I want to watch? <laughs> like, but I think it's going to be one of those things. Like, to be honest, even Stranger Things, I waited for the hype to die down before I watched the first series of Stranger Things, and I was like, oh wow, no, the everybody's right, this is great. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe when it ends, I'll wait like a year or two and watch it. Go, oh wow, everybody was right, this is great, I love it. I should have watched this from the beginning and been one of those guys. I think you goes around both... saying pickle Rick all the time. <laughs> I think you'll both like it, but I I hold my hand up and say that I I've watched, I think I've watched about three seasons of it, but I've not watched every season. Like I felt like to binge it, like if you watch too much Rick and Morty, you it gets a bit, it gets too over the top and convoluted and ridiculous. It's like it gets to the point where. There's million, there's a million billion different versions of the same Rick and Morty in multiple dimensions and universes, and thousands of them have been killed and killed each other, and you don't know which version you're seeing in any one. Do you know what I mean? It gets so ridiculously, um, almost up its own ass <laughs> because it's it's trying to be so you know clever and knowing, and even though it that's a parody, it, it, you know, it's a kind of self-parodying as well. So it's not, I don't think it does take itself too seriously, but it is quite hard to watch. Like, you, you know, you, you, your brain would melt if you sat there and watched five seasons of Rick and Morty. But I do, you know, I do get the hype um, because, you know, even, even watching that, I went back and watched and finished watching Community because obviously that's, you know, by the same guy. And, and if I'm, Right, Imran, you're a big community fan. I presume, Rich, are you a community fan? I've never seen it. Oh. The first three seasons of Community are just gold. You'll love it. It's just brilliant. (laughs) Is it Dan? Dan Harmon. Harmon, yeah. yeah. That's right. He's the Rick and Morty guy. Yeah, I haven't seen Community, haven't seen Parks and Rec, haven't seen American Office, haven't seen any of them. Ah, well, interestingly, um, Parks and Rec was one that I did go back and watch actually during lockdown, purely during lockdown because of, I don't know, we, we suddenly had way more time on our hands and I was like, <laughs> I really love the office and I love the American office and I love Aziz Ansari. That's probably not a popular thing to say anymore. Cause he's a bit, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, he's not as popular as he was, but um, yeah. So I, 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 I remember going back and, and kind of, watching that from beginning to end and really thinking yeah yeah this is this is great if you if you like the american office i think you will like parks and rec but it's one of those things it's difficult to kind of dip in and out of whereas some of the shows you were talking about rich mm-hmm. um because channel four always always showing them in the morning so you have a choice in the morning it depends how long you take to get up and it depends if you're going to work or working from home. But, you you know, you have this choice. You can either watch news and after like, I mean, a news cycle only lasts about 10 minutes. 
And then you're like, okay, well, shall I watch what a sitcom on Channel Four? Because that's that's on virtually every morning, and it's always the same sitcoms. Um, nearly always, they they go in uh, huge rotations. So I think you know, watching things like um, you know Seinfeld. Uh, well, actually, no, Seinfeld was one of the ones you didn't see in the morning. No, it was more Fraser. It was more everybody cheers. loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh God, that I hate went that off. show. Yeah, I <laughs> never got that one. I did watch a lot of it to try and convince myself that it was <laughs> funnier than I thought, and I was like, "Yeah, it really is quite." And um, Ray Romano's saw... stand-up is good, though. If you ever see yeah. his stand-up, his stand-up is hilarious. And when he was on yeah. Doctor Katz, if anyone remembers Doctor Katz, professional therapist from the nineties, that was an awesome show. I've got the whole series on DVD. He was hilarious on that too. Oh no, I've never, never seen those. But I did, you know, there there are elements in it that are quite good and quite funny. But it, it was always very frustrating because it would. I think, and this is the thing: when you you dip in and out of sitcoms. When they they jump around the timeline, they're never con- they're never consecutive episodes, especially on Channel Four like like breakfast sitcoms. You, it feels they just pluck an episode randomly out of thin air and just and just put it on, which is kind of okay because you can dip in and out. But yeah, Mike and Molly and oh, what's the um uh there's oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Will if and I Grace. describe, huh? Will and Grace? Yes. Oh, God. I was going to describe it, and I thought I'd instantly get cancelled. And it's not because... It, <laughs> I don't know. Like the, Some of the characters on that, you just want to kill. You literally... The, you, you don't want to hear screeching people first thing in the morning. It's probably okay to watch in, on the evenings. But, yeah, Channel 4 and E4 always seem to have you know, constant rotation of American sitcoms, um, which can get a bit grating. Like, I never got into How I Met Your Mother. I I thought that was just Friends, Mark too, but slightly more geeky, knowing, like, so many in-jokes, which is, I think, the problem with something like Friends is, like, you have to kind of get into it and kind of know the characters and know the in jokes and because if you if you don't if you just kind of jump in and and see them all laughing at weird behavior like i don't understand what this is funny so you kind of have to commit to them whereas i think british sitcoms were quite quite good if you think of black adder you could watch any one episode of black adder and you didn't need to watch any others because they were self-contained stories with usually uh, a set, you know, set list of characters, but other characters that would come in, and it would be, you know, its own story per episode. Whereas, uh, you know, American sitcoms they go on for fifty seasons. I mean, you know, I love the fact that Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, uh, is it Ray Costanza is actually Larry David. Like Larry, he, Larry David wrote him a character based on himself in um, Seinfeld. And then later in Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's, he's again writing, doing table reads for uh, like special, a special one-off 
of Seinfeld with all the characters. And it's just like life in, imitating art, imitating life, imitating art. And it it is pretty cool, but you can't you can't casually just jump into that because you're not you're not going to know you know what, what is going on here. There's there's some grumpy bald man annoying people, but if you, you know, and it's the same with Seinfeld. You kind of got to I don't know. I'm not saying it's rocket science any of it, but you kind of got into those characters. Um. Yeah, so I was going to say, I mean, this has been um, interesting food for thought, but I, one of the, the things that I really didn't like when I was uh, um, growing up were, I don't know what you call, I don't know what genre you'd call them, but they were teen, teen kind of fight and romance movies. So, like Karate, Karate Kid? Kid? Yeah, Karate Kid was an example. Teen Wolf was another, and then obviously, <laughs> away from the the sort of teen setting, you, you had the Rocky films, which I really genuinely like. I think I I I thought Karate Kid one was okay. I thought Teen Wolf one was okay, and then all the sequels, I felt like it's just the same film, but <laughs> with slightly older versions of the characters, and maybe a few they would change the the bad. The, the, you know they changed the love interest and they changed the villain um and i, I really just didn't i don't know i i didn't get it i di- i just thought these are just really awful movies that that people are so stupid that they they'll just <laughs> go and see the same thing over and over again and i i, I was just like i i just don't understand what's so good you about didn't like you didn't like rocky i had no not at all wow like I might have liked the first one. Like I could, I could see that I, I like the whole underdog story and the montages, but it got ever more ridiculous and elaborate. Um, of of what was you know, how many times can one man overcome adversity to become the the hero? I think um, seven, six. <laughs> it was originally yeah. five, and then six, yeah. and then seven. I, th- I think they're up to seven now. I think so. It Rocky one, times. Rocky Ron through five, then Rocky, then just one called like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, and then there was another. I think there was two new ones, or maybe there was just one. There's no, no, no. There's two. There's two Creed films. Oh, and then the, yeah, there was the Creed movies. Which, they were good, but they were just kind of the same thing, but with. Michael B. Jordan as Rocky. <laughs> yeah, as Rocky. Exactly. It's just yeah, like, cause, cause, we'll just get another guy in. Just get a young pretty boy in. This is the new Rocky. Yeah, Rocky is his trainer. Uh, um, Rocky is yeah. Creed's trainer. Like, he's Michael B. Jordan's trainer. And it's like, yeah, yeah Michael B. Jordan does a, he does an amicable job. I mean, uh, he, ma- he made me want to watch that remake of Fahrenheit 451 that I heard was actually pretty crap. But, um, yeah, they are. They're just the same movie. And there was a lot of it wasn't just those franchises. I can't I can't really remember um all of them, but there was there was lots of really tacky B movies that also had the same premise and it was just done over and over again. But I kind of feel like having watched Cobra Kai, which it took a lot of Imran and Stu battering me about it, like repeatedly how great it was and i was just like i just i just can't i just don't think this is going to be for me but i kind of gave in because i thought 
you know what, I, I, you know, I trust these guys' opinion. God knows why, but yeah, I trust these guys' <laughs> opinion. And yeah, and I got into it, and, and it somehow manages to not only redeem those movies, but it it re-energizes those characters and and and, and approaches what happens in those films from from some really interesting angles. So it's not all kind of, you know, the the thing about, um, you know, Johnny is not, it's not as straightforward. He's not the bad guy. It, it's every, every character, they, they give layers. Even Crease, you kind of, there's a point, you kind of feel sorry for him. And I think that that did, a, did such a good job of, of re-energizing what I thought was a, a fairly average franchise and making me really, love it and actually want to go back um and watch the originals whereas uh, yeah i don't know i mean e- even now i feel like on 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 the flip side ha- having watched um balboa and creed and creed 2 they're okay but it i have more reverence for the original three films i look back at those and i watch those i've watched those again and thought you know what they're these are far better than everything that's come recently. It feels like they're 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 just overcooking something that just should have just been left alone, but they they can't do that. Um, so when you when you said when you surmised the, the films, did you group them together or are they separate? You, you said teen was it teen movies and like fight movies. Well, there or is was... it the ones that were revolving around? So it's know, like teenage... does Fast Times at Ridgemont High count? I know. So yeah, I was gonna say Breakfast Club and stuff like that. When you said no, yeah. not not so much. I mean, I think because if you, th- it's it's more like kind of fight slash sports. So if you think Team Wolf, Team Wolf One's basketball, Team Wolf Two Two is boxing. Obviously, all the karate film films have an element of karate in them. But yeah, it, it's always the underdog overcoming something. It doesn't have to be sport, but overcoming some form of adversity to win out in the end. And that was a real, you know, that was a real theme in uh, 80s movies, which yeah. was just awful. It just got too much. <laughs> because, I don't know, um, you, you just kind of felt like, why do I, why am I rooting for this guy? Like, I know you're supposed to want to be that. Oh, yeah, I want to be the karate kid, and yeah, I want to, you know, I want to beat people up. There was actually there's there's something quite funny in How I Met Your Mother after I've, I slagged it off. But Barney <laughs> in How I Met Your Mother actually thought um, that Johnny was yeah. the hero, and he actually brings him into it, um, and. In a similar way, if you've, uh, you know, we're talking about mentioning kind of Family Guy and um, Seth MacFarlane, but I don't know if you've, either of you have watched Ted. The first one I have, yeah. I don't, is that the one with um, Marky Mark and a talking teddy bear? That's the one. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, they, um, Actually, it's not. It's not really the same. But they they do bring Flash Gordon back. Um, they they love Flash Gordon so much that they bring the actor that plays Flash Gordon into it, and he's a bit of a, I don't know, like a, a druggy alcoholic. So I don't know why I've actually brought that up. That doesn't really fit <laughs> at all with what I'm what I'm what I'm saying. But um, 
did it kind of did that um um sort of dislike of that kind of underdog story did that kind of stretch to the notion of uh well sticking with stallone i guess like rambo that kind of one man against an army do you know what i mean like did it kind of extend to that kind of format in the film as well um not not so much like um i didn't again like the rambo films um it's I don't, I don't know why we've never really discussed them before like i don't think i have seen all i know there's there's been a recent one hasn't there there's been um he he did another one not that long ago but mm. i i am pretty pretty sure i haven't watched any of the rambo films all the way through oh wow Oh, I know. The first one's like legit. It's like a really, it's not just a good action movie, but it's a good, it's like one of these like social commentary pieces and it's just like a well-paced, well-made, good. I mean, it doesn't have the same, I will say it doesn't have the same ending as the book, uh, but the the speech that he gives at the end is really like, well, it's it's moving. If, you know, that, if, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what else to say, but it's good. You should yeah, watch it's it. It's like the Rocky time. ones. Like the first one is a like the first one won Best Picture against like some pretty hardcore competition that year, and it's like the first Rocky is just like a well-made good movie, and it's the same with Rambo. Like the first one's just this is a solid film. And the second one, the second Rambo is just like okay, it's a video game. It is just he's just going to go in there and <laughs> fucking murder everybody. Mm. It's, it's like, <laughs> I always say Stallone doesn't get the, the credit in, in many ways that he deserves. I, I, actually, I'll rephrase that. I sometimes think Rocky sometimes doesn't get the credit. I think it becomes a bit of a parody, doesn't it, with Adrian yeah. or that kind of thing. But as you, you both said, those early ones, I mean, people do forget how good those films actually are. It does become yeah. farcical and it goes on for very long, obviously. But, um, but yeah, no, I think those first three are, are pretty exceptional movies. Yeah, and I, and I absolutely agree on Rocky. Like, I did love the first, um, the first film. If I, I mean, I think I probably watched. Uh, I don't think I actually saw any of them at the cinema. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Rocky Three. Um, actually, no, no. Where's the one with um, Drago? Four. Four. Yeah, I I saw that in the movie mm. uh, cinema in the movie theater. Yeah, but um, I did love. I mean, I did. I did love the original Rocky. I mean, I love. I love Team Wolf. You know, I quite enjoyed that. But there was there was a lot more kind of films in that format where you're I'm trying to think of. There's a, there's a few road movies in that format as well. Um, Two Lane but, Blacktop. Oh what? <laughs> it's, it's probably not in your category. But um, you mentioned road movies, and to me, like that's that's my favorite car movie ever made is two lane blacktop it was this little independent film with james taylor yes that james taylor and brian wilson of the beach boys and warren oates the legendary warren oates as just guys racing cars across america oh wow it's, None of that, it, all of that's completely new to no me, if, if, yeah. you, if you like car <laughs> if, you, if you're into cars like really into cars and you're into indie movies definitely check it out anyone listening um if you probably already have because it's quite legendary in its own little circles but yeah it is it's really good and i just say that because i watched it i've got it on dvd and i watched it again the other day and i was like yeah every time i watch it i'm like yeah this is cool. <laughs> everything about this is great this makes me just want to like 
race someone across the country, even though our country's not that big, we could probably do it in a day. <laughs> See, my my version of that, and I don't know if you've both seen it, seen them, is the Cannonball Run. Oh right. yeah. I love those films, love especially those when films. Jackie Chan was. Yes, yeah. oh, I loved his car because I loved all the tech stuff. I was always as a kid, if it was tech stuff, I loved it because that was oh, a Subaru. Yeah. I think I forgot which model, but I did used to know exactly which models, like a Subaru XT or something like that. Uh, those those were the some of the coolest films, but also you know, as I mean, we we've done quite a few podcasts in in the past on horror movies. As a kid, I grew up. And I remember quite a lot of different horror films, such as, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Poltergeist and um, The Exorcist. Um, My mum loved these films, and I watched a lot of them when I was a kid. And it had, apart from occasionally scaring the living bejesus out of me, it it had no resonance with me. It didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy those films. I didn't ever want to watch more horror films and then it wasn't until I was like probably in my mid to late 20s that I started watching horror films again and suddenly it just clicked um, and I revisited a lot of the films that I kind of I was like oh I remember seeing that when I was a kid um, and and I wanted to go back to it and, and then it, it's now probably uh, one of my favorite genres i mean there's so much to discover uh in horror films and i've always kind of banged on about this and the man's probably bored of me saying it but um (laughs) i always think the horror genre is the most experimental and interesting because at the moment every other film out there is is based on you know an existing franchise or it's or comics you know it's all everything's kind of well established and it's just being rehashed and remade or you know it's the same sort of type of kind of big budget action film so none of them i i don't think there, there there aren't many films out there that that try and do something completely new and different and nuanced to to, to varying effect there's a lot of there's a lot of these things that they they try and do it and it, it misses wildly and it's awful but Sometimes you just sort of say, well, you know, I, I applaud the fact they tried to do something that no one else has done before. And, okay, it didn't kind of come off. But, um, yeah, there, there's so many films being made where, um, you know, the the artists and writers and producers are, uh, you know, are almost kind of new to the industry because these, these films rarely make... Uh, that much money so you think of there's obviously the Blumhouse films that do get to the cinemas and and do make a fair amount of money like um, The Conjuring etc etc Annabelle but those those are kind of that's kind of a recent sort of franchise model that has has found a way of existing in the cinema and making some money whereas I'd say 90% of all other films that get made end up you know, going straight to streaming or, you know, digital release. It's not, I don't think it's, it's an industry that makes that much money. So because there's so little risk in it, um, the people that make it tend to just be, it just tends to be so much more interesting because you will find something that, you know, you've just not seen before. And it's just that 
you know, much more interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so before we wrap up, uh, Rich, is there anything else uh, that you can dig out of the archives of your mind that you, you want to bring up? We, to be honest, you kind of partially nicked mine at the end there because I, oh, I'm no. still not a, a horror fan. I don't enjoy watching horror films, but I did recently watch, um, I think it was, yeah, about a year ago, they were, they were leaving Amazon Prime. So we watched, my partner sat me down to watch all of the Friday the 13th because I'd seen the first Friday the 13th and I was like, I don't like horror, but I'll... I give I'll give that one a shot, and I was like, oh, it was enjoyable because it didn't really feel like a scary movie. It was more like I I describe those films as kind of like playing Mortal Kombat. It's like you just want to <laughs> see, okay, what creative way are all these dumb kids gonna die? You know, that's you basically watch it for that, and it's like no yeah. one's watching it for the plot. Like that's why the plot in those films is so stupid, and none of the, there's no continuity between any of them. Like if you what we watch them like one day after the next, and we're like, wow, did they not even watch the last movie? Because that's not <laughs> what. And then <laughs> it's just bad, and they got worse as well. Like they, they kind of peak in the middle, and then they just fall off at the end. But um, the big one for me was um, Aliens. That the whole Alien franchise, I because I was never into horror. Like I remember when I was in elementary school, everyone's like, Oh, aliens is like so cool. And like, they knew all the, like Hicks and they knew all the characters names. And I was like, yeah, uh, I love that movie. And I'd never seen it. And they even <laughs> sold toys. Cause back in the day, they used to sell um, 18 rated films to children with toys. And so like some of my friends had all the toys and they're like, Oh, this is the blah, blah, blah alien. And I was like, okay, I'll take your word for it. But then when I did watch them, I was like, wow, these really good like when I didn't see them till I was a little bit older, I was like, these are just good movies. Like the first one is a really freaking good horror movie, like scary movie. And the second one is the definitive like sci-fi action film. And I think there's few people that would doubt that that set the tone. Like they, like so many things that that is like, kind of like the Mad Max two of like the sci-fi space Marine, uh, that kind of genre, like that defined so many of the tropes. Like James Cameron's is everyone knows James Cameron's the man, but it's like, that's kind of one of his masterpieces. And it's like the third, I know a lot of people don't like the third one, but I, I, do, I do. I like I it. And it's like, the, when we, when we, we watched it recently, we actually, the version that we found, I don't know where we found it, if it was legit or not, but um, the version we found was the director's cut, which neither of us had seen. And I was like, Oh, this adds so much more and actually makes it, a much more cohesive, like solid piece of storytelling. I hate the fourth one. I will never watch the fourth one again. I refuse to watch <laughs> the fourth one again. I absolutely hate, like it traumatizes living daylights out of me when I was like 16, which is too old to be traumatized, but it did. And it, like, that and Fist of the North Star, the anime version, even though I was a teenager, those are two films where I'm like never watching them again. Um, <laughs> and then, Although I have to say the uh, underwater xenomorph kind of chase bit it had its bits there were bits yeah. that were cool like the fact that she did the basketball shot in real life like that wasn't that wasn't a work like she really did do the basketball shot backwards one-handed without looking like that's cool and like the effects like the aliens look better in that than they do i think in any of the other ones except for maybe the second one like they, they look cool or at least i remember them looking good and and it had ron perlman in it yes who's always awesome in everything um 
And the I, the Alien versus Predator films, I, I saw the first one, but I didn't waste my time watching the second one. Um, and the new ones, the new Prometheus films, like I liked what they were trying to do and I liked where they were going with it. But then I heard that the studio basically came back and was like, no, you for the last one they did, they're like, no, you need a xenomorph. And they're like, well, we weren't going to put the xenomorph in it because that's not the story we're telling. Like we're not there yet. Like the xenomorph will be in the next one. And they're like, no, you need it in this one. So that's why when we were watching it, we're like, none of this makes sense. Like none of this makes sense. It's like he already had, he's like, I want to make the perfect weapon. I'm like, you had the perfect weapon. That's, they had already invented it. All you're doing is just changing it and making it worse. Like it's arguably worse now than it was when you got it. So why is it better now? I well, I never understood with Alien Covenant. Why didn't they just call it Prometheus Two? Because they sold it as a new, as another Aliens film. So like, hey, hey, we're redoing Aliens. We're redoing, you know, the space kind of the Space Marine horror film studio sci-fi. interference. Because um, from what I've gathered reading online, it's that it's stu- that that's why the Xenomorph was in it when they didn't want it to be, and that is why Alien was the in the title when they didn't again they didn't want it to be i think it's because prometheus didn't perform as well as they had expected so they're like no you need to just everyone just wants the first two films all over again so just do that and it's like but that's yeah. not i i kind of get ridley scott being like i'm ridley scott guy it's like let me do what i want to do it's like you guys yeah. already butchered kingdom of heaven and everybody now who has seen the extended dvd loves it and everybody that saw the film in the cinema was like, what the hell's going on? So clearly I know what I'm talking about and you don't. So I would just leave it to him. But I'm not a studio boss, so I don't have billions of dollars at stake. So I can't really talk. Well, Imran, we, we t- chatted about Predators before, haven't we, with Adrian Brody? Yeah, I love that film, yeah. It's so good. It's so yeah. It's one that people don't seem to, I don't know, they don't seem to repeat it on TV much. No, they've but, got a cool uh, predator because the, the new predator is on Disney Plus. So they've kind of got these little um, um, they've grouped together the predator films and the alien films as well on the uh, the Disney Plus app. So it's yeah, it's sort of encouraging me to I uh, want to revisit the, all of them, you know, for both um, franchises. I mean, yeah, Predator Two I saw once on video like when it ran about the time it first came out. And I don't imagine I'd watch it and say, hey, that was amazing. But I probably (laughs) wouldn't mind watching it again. It's good. I watched, because we watched Prey the other day and we were like, like, is it good? Yes, you said it. Yeah, Yeah. it's like Prey. We were like, "Uh, uh, yeah, kind of. It's it's interesting. Like, it's interesting and it's something completely different that they haven't done. So we were like, oh no, it it does live up to that. But then there are other parts where I was just like rolling my eyes. But it did make me (laughs) rewatch Predator 2 and I was like, oh my God, this is great. I don't remember it being nearly this cool. Oh wow, this is awesome. (laughs) That first one as well though, I mean, what a masterpiece of uh, it hasn't aged today i feel like it it could have been made yesterday incredible if every 80s film was set in a jungle then (laughs) honestly it it would have not aged today did you guys see the honest trailer for um predator it's really funny it's just like um he says the same thing it's like it hasn't aged a day and then it just cuts to um jesse ventura making like um a homophobic slur in the helicopter scene he's like well maybe it has kind of <laughs> and you're like oh yeah ooh, that comes across bad now it should have come across bad then but it's really coming across bad now <laughs> the, the thing about that film i remember when i first saw it was the level of suspense and tension because mm. there was no 
now obviously we have the internet and it's it's hard to get away from spoilers and not you know you you go to see a, a film and it's really difficult to not know everything about that film or why you want to go and see it but I remember seeing, and I didn't go, I wasn't old enough to go and see it, the, the cinema, but w- when I first got it out on VHS, I did, I just, it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger film and it, you know, I could see it was kind of set in a jungle and looked violent. So, you know, you knew, you kind of knew what you, what you thought you knew what you were getting. And then, God, about half an hour in when they're, they're, they're seeing these corpses hanging from trees and I was just like, what the, what, what is this? And it, and the, the amount of tension that kind of built up, and I was like, I was really on edge, thinking, this is this is really weird. And then suddenly, you know, it it went from that sort of, I guess, like a really bad version of Apocalypse Now. It was like, <laughs> this is this is getting into, you know, cannibals and 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 um, I guess mercenaries who have gone insane territory. And then it pulls back from that, and then reveals this incredible alien thing, which all, all the all the night vision and the heat vision and all the, all the kind of tech in that you'd never seen before. So it was just I don't know. It was just one of those one of the most original films and the original kind of concepts and setting because you just didn't know that it was going to be that at the time. And I, I'm with you, Imran. I've not. I can't remember. Um, uh, Predator Two. I I know, I know. I, I I remember it had Danny Glover in it. I knew it was set in. Is it set in New York? L.A. L.A. Okay, it's set in L.A. So I, I must have seen it because I can I can picture Danny Glover in it. But yeah, I think I need. I think we need to probably do um, a catching up with the classics where we, well, Iman and I definitely need to watch uh, Predator Two again. Um. I just looked it up just to confirm it because I I had a strong memory that this this was the case, but I think Jean Claude Van Damme played the Predator. Oh, yeah. he was originally the Predator, and then I think they recast him to the. Guy. Oh, did they recast him? Yeah, oh, no. because he I'm did. Like, so... if you look at his outfit, it was really ridiculous, and then they recast it to the guy. I forgot his name. Um, I think he has a. I think he has an African name. Um, yeah, and uh, he was the Predator in one and two. Um. But there are lots of nerd claims that there are certain shots um, that it it's still um, Jean Claude Van Damme. But I don't, I have no idea if that is the case. But yeah, there, there's loads of Kevin. Oh, online. he doesn't have an African name. He has a European name, Kevin Peter oh. Hall. I don't know where I thought he had an African name. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought he had you know like like kind of an indigenous African name. But I was like, no, Kevin Peter Hall. You can't get much more bloody English than Kevin <laughs> Peter Hall. So my apologies to Mister Hall. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I don't think that's ever happened before on the podcast, but uh, yeah. But um, I also, I do remember the Alien versus Predator films and they were so incredibly over the top. It was like, it was like everything that anyone ever wanted to, to do with Aliens and Predators. Like it's, it's almost like, you know, Gremlins 2, you know, the jaw, the, 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 the key and peel sketch where, that they're sitting around a table trying to come up with all the different gremlins that should be in gremlins too. It mm. feels like the alien versus predator series is that where they're all <laughs> just going, Oh, what can we do? How can we, can we have, can we have an alien uh, predator hybrid? Can we have one that looks like an alien predator man hybrid and one that 
does this and one that looks like that and one that looks like a horse and one that looks like a dog and one that do you know what i mean it just it it got so ridiculous where all the writers are just coming up with the most ridiculous looking kind of xenomorphs and predators and 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 even even in the recent film they tried to make uh, in the in the last predator film not not prey sorry not not the very recent the one before that um, they tried to make uh, a predator who was bigger, badder, and more, you know, more kick-ass than all the other predators before him. And then they had, oh, we're going to do, you know, the last Predator film was basically Predator versus Predator um, <laughs> because they'd run out of ways of making predators fight aliens and xenomorphs. and Yeah. So... Before we wrap up, Imran, is there any other kind of uh, nostalgic treats for us? I'm I'm saying this as a fleeting comment, but um, I'm concerned knowing you two will be here for another hour. So <laughs> I, no, because of the the topic, because of what I'm going to say, I mean. But we bought um, as a gift. I was I got the um, you know you get those Mega Drive consoles with all the uh, mm. the games uh from from the past so um i'm playing games i didn't even know existed and it's hilarious to be sitting there with my my children who uh well now they're uh six and eleven but we've had it for a little while so they were younger when they were what when we initially had it and um we were playing like games like i had a mega drive back then but did you guys remember like game ground yeah I yeah, I see. Involved. I figured you guys would know that one, but that's I it. I know that one. It's, yeah, a, it's a top down game. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's this incredible game, and the Gunstar Heroes, and oh, that's kind a of classic. Playing, yeah. It's a classic, and like they completely passed me by before. But uh, yeah, so we we're kind of playing all these games, and it's just hilarious. But uh, yeah, there you go. I know you're gamers, so I'm worried they'll be like. <laughs> uh so yes but yeah that's one thing where I'm, I'm reconnecting with which isn't it's just funny to watch them play games and think wow when they know we have a ps4 they can be so angry with me but <laughs> <laughs> you're playing games from 1984 or something like that <laughs> do, do, do you guys remember of course you're going to remember this but echo the dolphin yeah like how did oh, wow. how did games like that exist right <laughs> This is back when, like, that you could just make a game about anything and, like, with a big budget and it would just get made. But that was, like, a huge... Like, I remember, like, uh, that was a Mega Drive. I'm pretty sure it was a Mega Drive game because that Sonic was the, the launch of, you know, the launch title. It was the la- might have been the launch title in England. I don't think it was in America. I think, I think um, the launch title in America was... Um, oh, God, uh, Axe... Uh, Golden Axe. Golden Axe Axe or Altered Beast. One of the two was like the. I think it might have been Altered Beast. Maybe I think I think Altered Beast was like the pack-in game. I think I can't. It was one of those two. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. Wow. But do you guys? I I know we're we're kind of running out of time. But do you guys have this thing where if you if you ever play like an emulator, an arcade emulator, where you end up? Yeah, you, you you play an arcade game which. As a child, the the level of wonder when you walked into, you know, a really loud, bright, brash, and almost like, you know, mythical, incredible arcades, usually, usually on, well, for the UK, I don't know about America, but, you know, the, there are always places on the coast 
um, you know, by the sea. You'd always have arcades. And I, you'd go in there, and these things were incredible because nothing back then, you know, when you had like 48K computers, nothing could recreate anything close to that. You know, game ports that of an arcade game were just, you, they were always going to be terrible. It t- took so much time for like home consoles to catch up with arcades. But now you look at them and you go, this is just dreadful. How did I, <laughs> why did I think that the original Street Fighter was one of the most amazing games? And, but I think you know, it is like you say, because the home ports weren't up there. Like I remember around the time, I think it was the early 2000s when all of a sudden the home ports, I think Tekken 4, well, really, Tekken 3 was the first one where I was like, wow, no, this is pretty much just the arcade game. But it was also Tekken 4 was the one where I was like, no, okay, there's no doubts now. This is just the arcade game. And then when yeah. I think it was Street PS1, Fighter... one definitely. Yeah, it's like Street Fighter 4 came out. And I have this thing where I have played the first... Like, you know, with the Street Fighter games, there's like a million of them, like Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Champion, Street Fighter 2 Champion. I've played the first version of every single Street Fighter game so I played Street Fighter 1, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter 3. I then was like, okay, when 4 and 5 came out, I was like, I have to play them in the arcade because I've just it's a tradition. So I went and played Street Fighter 4 in the Chinatown Arcade in New York. And anyone listening who's a fighting game fan knows where that is. And I went in and I was playing it. And I was like, this is just the PS2, or not PS2, PS3. Like, this is just the PS3 version. And I think at one point, like, yeah, I was like, I said to the guy next to me who was like a hardcore fighting game guy, I was like, is this just like, is it just like a PS3 in here? And he's like, pretty much. And then <laughs> when I went to, there's an arcade in Soho. Um, it's down in a basement somewhere. I forgot where, but if you go to, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head and it doesn't matter. But I went in there to play Street Fighter V and that was literally, it was like, no, you're just paying, like you pay a pound for like five minutes on the, like on the PS4 that's in here and i was like okay so this is we've now gone full circle where the arcade is just playing the home version yeah and i thought i thought that was really kind of ironic that i was like i've gone from okay that my home port of street fighter 2 i used to think was arcade perfect but if you play it back now it's like wow this is like it's way closer than anything else at the time but it sure as shit wasn't the arcade version whereas now it's like no the home version is the arcade version so. I, I actually remember my, my Super NES copy of Street Fighter 2 was possibly the most excited I had been about a game. I was like, oh my God, I am literally buying. Because for me, that back then, that was buying the arcade game. Even now, even though it wasn't, you know, it was quite slow and there were probably more issues, but it was, it was damn close. And the joy of the, the and the joy and expectation of getting that um, when it when it arrived was just yeah and then obviously when when the the turbo version which was so much better arrived but um, it was also weird because Nintendo started doing this thing where they were making like arcade versions of thing of things like Mario Kart and it's just like huh so you go to who Who's in an arcade looking for Mario Kart, which is one of the most perfect games ever? But they kind of had a a souped up version that that had was just on bigger screens and a bit noisier. I don't even think it was particularly better, but that was, you know, 
It's just like a that was Nintendo really... in like an arcade. They're just like, yeah, some like the owner's son was like, oh, I've got no, I've got my Super Nintendo. I'll just bring it downstairs to the punters. <laughs> but th- they had these machines that had multi-game Nintendo machines. I remember them, and it was really surreal because you know Nintendo was one of those things which it was a home. You know, I don't think Nintendo made arcade games ever. So. But they they were so desperate to make sure they didn't miss out on any cash whatsoever that, yeah, you had these kind of multi-cart machines that that you could play, you know, play a slightly souped-up version of Mario Kart in an arcade. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's been uh, a pleasure, as always. And thank you to everyone for listening. Um, Yeah, we hope to be back uh, very soon. uh, TJ will, if he's survived his um, Burning Man adventures, his, um, I don't know, he kind of sounds a bit like Mad Max, but I think I think he's got to survive his honeymoon as well, so that's probably more perilous. But yeah. And that Thanks does sound like Mad Max, because they're on a road trip through the, <laughs> through the state, so that is Mad Max-esque. <laughs> Wouldn't it be brilliant if, like, at the start of Burning Man, they kidnapped his his wife, and then, <laughs> you know, the whole his his honeymoon was basically a road oh. movie. Think of the podcast episode that's going to make oh. when he tells us all about how he got her back. I think we should just write it as an audio drama and yeah. pretend that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. And yeah, we will hear you, see you all again soon. Bye. Bye.